Hi, you entrepreneurs. Today we have Derek Evans. He is an originator, a lender in San Diego County. You get to hear his story of how he was a lender first. He found out that he had a passion in radio. He was trying to do it on the side. Basically, the people that he had around him were kind of holding him back, not allowing him to go after his passion. He left lending for a little while, but he ended up coming back to lending. It's, you know, sometimes it's not a straight shot. Sometimes you kind of have to, you go one direction to find out you truly love this uh, this other area. So take a listen. Hopefully some of you can relate. Please subscribe and tell your friends. Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Thank you, Derek. Uh, Derek uh, with a E. Derek Evans with a E. <laughs> That's right. If you're Googling San Diego, we just realized this before the actual podcast that there is another Derek Evans. Even though how unique his name is, there is another one in, in San Diego. There is. Yeah, get the right Derek Evans, all right? All right. So, so Derek, we we originally met um, on your Facebook Live platform. You kind of built out this platform uh, in in San Diego and been kind of pushing it for a long time. And then recently jumped into the originator role. Kind of walk me through. That's the whole transition. I, I want to hear your whole life story of where you where you came from and how you got to this point. Yeah, man. I'll I'll give you the the short long version. So. You know, uh, came to San Diego for the first time when I was in the mortgage industry originally. My owner wanted to open a, a location out here. He was doing really well financially. This is 2003, 2004. So uh, the industry was booming. Real estate was amazing. Why do $100,000 loans in Missouri? We can do $500,000 loans in San Diego. That was the thought process. After I came out here the first time, dude, I knew I was going to be moving here. There was just no way. And um, every time I came out and went back to Missouri, it was just made me more and more sad when I was on the plane on the way back. So I knew one one time I just said, you know what? What if this is the last time I'm going back and the next time I come out, I'm staying here. And so I decided to do that. But of course, we had the uh, the impending doom of the crash uh, that came in, in real estate and the mortgage industry. Fortunately, I was able to have a little foresight and be able to see that before it was happening. And I decided to go and pursue my dream. I went to college uh, for a, a journalism school. Of course, that was mostly for a newspaper and TV, but radio was always my passion. Like I grew up listening to Howard Stern and thinking, how do these guys get to goof off and make money? I want to do that. And, you know, that was my idea of a dream. And I lived that dream. So I, I, I fought hard, got a, an opportunity to do an early morning Sunday on Sunday's radio show, and then a Saturday afternoon show. And then I actually made it to daily radio in April of 2010. And that was my dream. Of course, uh, amidst all that, there's always turmoil. And this is one of the things that's been so true in my life every step of the way. Every time I was really close to achieving a dream, I had serious obstacles that had to be overcome. And in, in going and getting that opportunity on the radio, I realized two really huge things. Number one, my the woman I was married to at the time um, fought me on it. I told her the news. She said, oh, now you're just going to be even more busy and blah, blah, blah. She basically poo-pooed it. And then I went and told my business partner, hey, I have this lifelong dream. It's coming true. And he also, he was jealous, uh, but he, he was upset. It was like, you shouldn't do that. It's going to take away time from what we need to be doing here. And, and you know, he, he had a some decent points with that. But, you know, uh, the bottom line is that I realized I was not surrounded with people who really cared about my 
personal success and what was important to me and, and my lifelong goals. So I got a divorce and divorced my business partners and uh, kind of started fresh. I had to file for bankruptcy. Okay. So there was a, a lot of things that I had to overcome to ultimately achieve that dream. But I was on the air every day, you know, for uh, seven years and change. So, so were and, you still doing loans at that time? You're doing loans and the radio? I exited loans to go do radio. Um, okay. Ultimately, I was doing both when I first started radio because I wasn't full time doing radio. But once I got the opportunity to do it full time, I went and I did it. And I remember the low point when I had officially you know, divorced my wife and I was out on my own and I had divorced my business partners. And all I had was this radio show. Then it was all I had and I had nothing else. And I remember I was just barely positive. So there was, there's a cost to do, to do radio, you know, that you have to pay for certain things. And then there's, you know, the revenues that you have coming in from sponsors. And I was just barely positive. I was positive, I think 11 or $1,200 a month. And I got a call from one of my sponsors saying that they were going to cancel. And it took me from being positive, let's call it a thousand dollars a month to being negative a thousand dollars a month. That was the low point when I had essentially jettisoned out all of the things that I had been doing and had been working on. And I was there all by myself. And now my business went negative, recurring negative. Um, and, For how long? And it was uh, yeah, about, it didn't last long because what happened was it was an, it was an evening of self-pity that uh, I, I drowned myself in. And then I woke up the next day just absolutely on fire. I don't even think I put uh, I think I was in pajamas the entire day. I was on the phone. I was on the computer. I was sending messages. I was calling people. I was setting up meetings. Um, and ultimately, I got myself to a point where I was making an incredible living doing what I loved. I did it for years. I interviewed amazing people in my studio, like Hall of Famer Andre Reed, Geraldo Rivera. Um, some really, really, really cool people I had in, in the studio. I also got to talk about things I was passionate about, like real estate. Um, and it was just, uh, it was a crazy experience, but it took a I had to get over a tremendous hurdle in order to achieve it. Um, I had to basically, you know, change everything in my life. And I had to go through the darkest days of, you know, filing for bankruptcy and being negative and just all those things that I knew I was better than. I knew I was smarter than that. And I knew I should have, should not have gotten in that situation, but that's where I was. And so, so having to realize that was tough. So was the only thing, I mean, it, it sounds like the passion was the one thing that was pulling you through. That Was that the only thing or is there anything else that was pulling you through all those low lights, kind of getting rid of the negative people around you and also going through bankruptcy and all that kind of stuff? Was yeah. passion the only thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was uh, a pursuit of a dream, um, you know, oh. pa the passion to help people, always educating folks and letting them know the things that I know, even when... I myself was not in a good place. You know, a lot of what my job was, and I talked about this on the radio. You know, I talked about the bankruptcy. Um, I talked about everything. Re doing the radio show was therapy for me. I would go on there and talk about the things that I was experiencing, good, bad, and ugly. Um, it was really cool. It took me about three years to really build a good following. And after that, it was it was unbelievable. Um, and if I if I had my choice now, if, if you said, hey, you can do whatever you want for a living, I would go back and I would do that. Um, it's not really possible, especially the way that I did it. I had, I was my own man. No one has ever really done a radio show that way, except for Rush Limbaugh um, and some of the really, really big people. It's hard to do it when you're smaller, but I, I had the setup that they had where I was my own boss. I didn't have, you know, people, you know, listening to me and going, don't say this, don't do that, don't do this. Do this. I didn't have any of that. 
So um, it was truly a dream and uh, it was so, so cool. I don't know if it could ever be duplicated, but I'm glad I did it. I climbed the mountain and then eventually, you know, I, I'm the type of guy who I need new mountains to climb. And so I got to a point where I, I had an opportunity to take the time that I was using to do my show and profit you know, from it in a different way and start a new opportunity. I actually got recruited by the Union Tribune, UT, um, to be an executive director there. And I, I, so I took them up on it and uh, I went and I did that. Didn't do it for very long. Wasn't a good experience, but it was something that, you know, I felt like I needed to try to, to do something new. You know, and that's anyone, anyone listening, anyone listening that doesn't know what the UT is, the Union Tribune out here in San Diego. So if you're not from San Diego, it's a San Diego newspaper. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Derek. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No question. And so, you know, that's short. It was shortly after that when I built the the video studio, I knew everything was going that direction. So I built the studio, took every penny I had, went in there, um, built the studio from scratch with my own two hands and uh, started doing live videos for content creation. Uh, we started off doing a TV show that was kind of pointless when you looked at it, just what it costs to do that versus how many people you're reaching. So when Facebook live really first hit, uh, you know, the waves, I was the first one to grab a hold of it and go, this is the way to get information out there. And we've been doing it ever since. So what was, what was the idea behind building up the Facebook live? Just, you just knew that was the way that was going you were going to do the kind of same model as with the radio and, and make the money off the sponsors or what was your mindset there? With yeah, the same, same concept. It was just that Facebook live was just a different platform. You know, you have the radio platform, the TV platform, Facebook live platform. They're all just different distribution channels. And I remember when it clicked for me, I was actually in New York. Um, and this was uh, 2016, the end of 2016, when it really, really clicked for me because we had already been doing it. And I, I knew it was it was just starting to catch on. A lot of people didn't know what Facebook Live was when it first came out. It took a while for it to adopt. And when we I was uh, there was actually the day after the presidential election in 2016, which was a coincidence. I was there for the UFC, uh, which happened to be the day after or two days after the election. And uh, I was in Times Square and I looked up and there's this huge billboard, the biggest one in Times Square. And what it said on it was, you know, Facebook Live or something like that. It was just it was an advertisement for Facebook Live. And that's why I started researching. I'm like, why would they spend? I mean, this this is a billboard. Ben. It must cost 100 grand a month, 200 grand a month. I don't know. And an insane amount of money to have this billboard. Why would they spend all this money to offer a free service to people? And so I started researching it and figuring it out. And basically what it is, is, you know, they Facebook wants people to be on Facebook. And what they found is that Facebook Live is a great way to attract people to Facebook and keep people on Facebook because the more you're on Facebook, the more inventory they have to sell ads. That's where they create revenue. And they were finding that people were doing live videos. At that point, they realized that it was increasing the average amount of time people spent on Facebook. So as a result of that, um, they were pushing it hard. And that's when I really doubled down on it and moved everything to that platform, got rid of TV and just started going hard. And so when did you know that you, you were going to put the plan in place to get back into the mortgage industry? Yeah, I've always, uh, I've always been educating around real estate. I have a, a passion for real estate. And what I found was I was just, I was doing a lot of different things to help other people in the mortgage industry succeed. And, um, and, and while that was great and it was fun, I, I also couldn't control the experience that people were having. 
you know, it's harder when you re- refer people to to someone and they don't have a good experience. It, it it's not it's not cool. You know, it's not fun. So I wanted to be able to control that experience, and I really really enjoy it. Uh, it's just one of those things. As soon as I started doing it again, I realized this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I really do love this. It's a, such an important thing, just like what you do with real estate. It's such an important thing for people who are buying or selling a home. In my case, buying a home, it's such a big deal for them. It's a way bigger deal for them than it is for anyone else involved in the transaction. But I can see it through their eyes. I can see it as that big of a deal. You know, people call me sometimes in the weekend. Hey, sorry to bother you on the weekend. Hey, don't, don't worry about it. You know, what you have going on right now is a very big deal. And we absolutely should treat it that way. So um, I understand that. And I think people really appreciate that. What do you think you, you learned from the first time you did basically the radio and mortgage compared to doing Facebook Live and mortgages now? Yeah, I think the uh, a lot of things have changed in, in both fronts. Um, the main thing is for me is it's all about content first. I want to deliver value. I just want to bury people with value information that can help them make better decisions, information that can help them be more successful. I want to bury people with this information, just flood them with it. And, you know, whatever comes to me is great. Whatever doesn't is fine. I know there's plenty of people who watch my videos. They'll never call me for a loan or whatever. Totally okay. Um, There are people who do are going to be great people for me to work with. They're going to, they'll listen to me. They'll take my advice. You know, that's one of the hardest things, Ben. I'm sure you experience it too. You know, you give someone a really good piece of advice and they don't take it and then you all end up in a mess. Um, so it's, it's nice to work with people who, who know you, who, who trust you, who have, uh, seen your content, who know you have their best interests in mind. So that's a big, a big part of why I do it. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the tough parts where you give them the information, you put a lot of time into them. And then the next thing you know, they go, well, I'm as educated as you. And so I'm going to use someone else and maybe yeah. have lower fees or I don't know, whatever else it might be. Now, can you walk me through, like, what do you think some of the biggest hurdles to get to, to the point now where you, you're doing the mortgage industry, you're the you're originator again, you're still doing the Facebook Live and getting to the back to success? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, the main thing has is, is always been to put others first and just focus on how I can help people with what I know and what I'm good at, you know, and, and just continue to do that. So I've always done that. And I'll continue to teach classes. I'll continue to do seminars. I'll continue to do videos. As soon as we get done with this podcast, I'm going to do my daily update video. We'll talk about mortgage rates, talk about the stock market, look at how things are moving, what's taking place, um, what we can expect, you know, in the near future. Uh, so I update and, and try to do things like that that are beneficial to people who are who are looking and interested in the things that I'm I'm paying very close attention to. So I think that the, the keys for, for me were just figuring out how do I want to use the skills that I've been blessed with to be a blessing for other people? That's essentially so, how I look at it. So you do that market update every single day, Monday through Friday? I try, I try to. Uh, Mondays are hard for me. Um, Mondays are my busy day. And so it's very difficult for me to do them on Mondays. But if something big is going on, I'll just make time. Um, however, I do try to do it Tuesday through Friday um, unless there's... Unless there's not much to talk about, you know, if there isn't much to talk about, I won't do a video and just say, yep, everything's pretty much the same as it was yesterday. I'm not doing it just for the sake of doing it. I'm doing it when there's something to talk about. What what about, I mean, business in the real estate field can get where it's the ups and downs, right? Where you're doing a lot of business and then you're doing not as much. It has the ebbs and flows. When you do have those, those down moments or you're just getting burnt out a little bit, what brings you back to some kind of level of normality? 
Yeah. What, what the, the most important thing there is to realize how important it is, what you're doing, how important it is and how big of a deal it is for people and how they, people need individuals who really care to be doing these jobs. They're not easy. As you know, there's a lot of work. There's a, a lot more, uh, you stand to be blamed for a lot more than to be clapped for. Right. Um, no matter what you do, uh, there's a million things to do. So the thing that, that keeps me going is knowing that people need me and that this is, this is what I'm good at. And I think everyone should try to do something that they're, that they're good at. Cause it's much easier to be happy when you're good at something um, than to do just something just because that's what you have an education for, or that's how you've always made money or whatever. Um, I think being happy with what you're doing is super important, but the key for me is always marketing, you know, making sure that whatever you're doing, you're always doing some kind of marketing on a regular basis, following up. Today is a follow-up Friday, mm-hmm. which means I, today I've been following up with all sorts of people um, through throughout my, my database, people who've been referred to me, different lead campaigns that I've got, different people who are partners of mine. I follow up if I other one, I check and see how they're doing, um, see if they need me for anything, update them on different things that we have going on together, that kind of thing. So I think you have to always be doing that. If you're always doing that, you won't have the ups and downs as much. You'll just have normal and then you'll have ups. Like you'll have really good weeks, you know, like I, I'll have a week where I close four or five deals or, you know, in a week. Um, but then I'll have my normal two to three, you know, weeks, but then I'll have those spikes up. So if you keep the marketing consistent, you'll set your baseline at a certain level and then you'll have spikes up where things just happen to go really well, but you won't have the downsides as much. You know, to, to jump back to that, that point where you're, you're bankrupt and you're kind of in the transition period. Do you remember how people interacted with you? Cause I know at least for when you, when you have prop down, I don't know if you have, did you have own a house at that time? Uh, I I didn't No, Yeah. We had just finished the divorce. And so, yeah, I didn't have anything, any, any real property at that point. So there, there's, I mean, as you, you know, when people are getting divorced or bankruptcy, you might not, it's kind of has a negative connotation. Did you feel that at all talking to different people or anything like that? Family or friends when the the whole problem went on? I I expected it, uh, but I didn't. Where I felt the negativity was mostly through ignorance many years later. Um, during the time, you know, it was, it was a, it was a bad time, you know, in the country. A lot of people were, were filing for bankruptcy and doing short sales and foreclosures were prominent and stuff. So it was, it was more common and less of an issue. Um, but years later when things had improved and I would go to try to, you know, do something, oops. And I would go to try to, uh, you know, do something with my credit and people would tell me, oh, well, you, you had a bankruptcy. Like I couldn't get a credit card with Southwest um, for years. It's like, oh, well, you've had a bankruptcy, it, which makes no sense because if I've had a bankruptcy, that means I can't file again for seven years. So it's actually a great time to loan someone money. If you haven't filed for bankruptcy in the last seven years, then you could file any minute. So you're actually at much greater risk. But um, the thing that was really cool was I, I used it as an opportunity to learn how to go through the process myself because I knew a lot of other people were going to be going through it because of the, the nature of the times. So I used myself as a test case. What is this process like? How long does it take? What is the trustee meeting like? You know, um, what's going to happen with my credit score? I paid very close attention to my credit report and it was really, really interesting to watch what happened. Um, and my scores went up a lot almost right away because when you include items on your credit in the bankruptcy, essentially all the negative remarks associated with those accounts get eliminated 
and you replace it with just the bankruptcy itself, which is just a public record. So that maybe hurts your 60, 70 points. But if you have late payments or you have a collection or something like that going on, that can hurt you, you know, 100 points all by itself. If you have several of them, it can be really bad. So the bankruptcy actually usually causes your score to go much higher um, once it's all reporting correctly. And uh, I was able to prove that and put some cool case studies together. So it was it was it was a tough time, no question. But by the time my bankruptcy was discharged, I was so on the other side of it because I've been hustling my ass off that I was making good money. Um, I was living my dream. So it was really a it was a crazy turnaround in like 90, 120 days. Wow. Now, I know you come from an, a, um, a being of abundance, right? That's why you kind of you helped out in the past. Uh, other lenders, realtors, that kind of thing. So having that mindset, what kind of advice would you give someone that's maybe in college or just getting into the, to the lending field? What kind of advice do you think you'd give to them uh, getting into the mortgage industry? Getting into the mortgage industry, I would say, yeah. you know, the most important thing to understand is that it's a, it's a place where you're going to need to do, you're going to need to be a hustler. Um, if you're the type of person who wants to collect a check and relax, you know, go get a, a, a W-2 salary job doing something else. Uh, if you're the type of person who wants to be paid for your efforts because your efforts are mighty and, and plentiful, um, then this is, is something that you can do. And it's very rewarding. You know, you have the opportunity, but it's also with, with great responsibility. You know, you know, there's 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 a lot of responsibility that you have in giving people advice in the mortgage industry. I'll give you an example, Ben. So today. Um, an agent that I work with, she asked me to do a cross qualification, which I don't normally do, but she said, you know, I'm not sure about these buyers, the lenders from out of town, never heard of them before. Will you please talk to these people? It's a veteran trying to buy a home in China and they were getting a three and a quarter percent. Ben, I did the cross qualification. I looked at a 780 credit. I could get them 2.75 today with a $4,000 lender credit. So, you know, for, for me and that, that this individual, he just doesn't know. But, you know, for, for me, I want to be in a position where I can really, truly make a difference and help people. And um, so in a situation like that, I feel compelled to make sure that 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 those individuals know what's what's possible for them. And so it's those situations where it's a very big deal. I mean, the difference in a half percent of interest and, you know, four thousand dollars in cash is a very, very big difference in someone's financial life. So you have a great responsibility if you become a lender and that's why you have to make sure that you're working at a, at an organization where you can really give people a great deal because it makes a very big difference in their life. Well, well it, it's so funny and, and hopefully it wasn't Veterans United, but um, I, I've actually, you mean, cause they, they're a referral industry and Veterans United, they'll send you clients and that kind of thing. But the one interesting thing about it is when I've worked with clients that are using Veterans United uh, is they're under the assumption that Benchy United is the VA. 100%. And, and so they, they're not aware that they can actually shop the rate and talk to other uh, other lenders there. And with the the unknown is basically like you're saying, it could be a couple hundred dollars, $500, $400 of a difference in the pricing on that monthly payment. It's huge. And they charge fees. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, it's hard to find a great place. So this is one of the reasons. So, you know, when I first started uh, the Align Mortgage branch here in um, San Diego, I was a, an equity partner in the branch and I decided to to exit that role and leadership and become a loan officer because of obviously my passions, my skill set. I want to be working with clients instead of working with loan officers. And I wanted to be able to spend more time with my family. It's really important to me. I have a 14 month old. So, you know, I, I made that decision, which was very tough very tough decision to make. Um, but, you know, ultimately 
it was it was it was made easier by the fact that we have such a great lending platform and you know we don't charge any lender fees we have super low interest rates that's what that's what the client wants so if you're interested in serving people and you know, being able to do that is really important a lot of places you can't do that you know you don't have that option um you know you've mentioned one of them there are many many others so you know making sure that you're in, in the right and that's what the crux of my point was if you're going to Put yourself in a position to help people. If you're going to be an advocate for people, you really have to truly be. Like if if a line mortgage changes things and next week there's lender fees and rates are higher than everybody else, I have to go because my interest is in what's best for the client. And you, so you, I will be so where I can best serve the client. So yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I just I thought it was it was funny. It's not not about uh, about uh, your company. The um, someone told me this once. This one lender that I was working with, and he was like. Oh, we're off. We offer the best rates. We offer no fees, anything like that. And it was like three days later, he switched company. I was like, "What was all that talk about?" <laughs> no, no, I'll say that about you. I, I mean, I would say, you I mean, I say it all the time with the realtor you decide to to work with, the lender you decide to work with. Be aware, not all lenders, not all realtors are made the same. Do your do your due diligence. I mean, before this conversation, I always, before any conversation I have on the podcast, I Google the person, I look them up, I read, read the stuff, read, read Derek Evans with an E, not an A, and you'll see his reviews, positive reviews, but do the research before you work with any lender or any realtor. I sorry, I had to throw that out there, Fabs Derek. Oh yeah, you got to do it regardless, you know, across the board and, uh, you know, another, um, situation where um, just today, in fact, where there was uh, a veteran who I'm helping buy a home. I locked his rate this week at 2.75, giving him a credit, thousands of dollars. And one of his coworkers is also buying a house and she was referred to a lender from her realtor. And that lender was wanting to charge her points of uh, two points, I think is what he she was getting charged. So he had her call me today and double check it. And I checked with her on credit score. Something like, yeah, you should be getting 275, you know, with, you know, a couple grand for closing and she was kind of blown away. So for me, you know, that, that that's a really, really important in my industry is being able to give people a great deal. Um, that's what I believe veterans deserve. That's why I'm serving veterans and working on focus, focused on serving veterans because I believe they deserve it. You know, they have uh, done enough for us. It's time for us to do something for them. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I didn't realize how many veterans I actually have worked with in the, in the past. Because I think we're so in San Diego, we have so many veterans out here that it makes it fairly fairly easy to kind of, I mean, give back the community and they have a great loan type. But on a separate subject, let's get to where's if we're talking to Derek in a year, two years, three years from now, where are you going to be? What's the plans of the future? Kind of walk us through that. Yeah, for me, it's uh, you know I've uh, been really lucky to have made a lot of videos over the years and um, grown a cool following on YouTube and. Um, it's something that people are really counting on me to give them information. As of right now, my plan is to continue to do exactly what I'm doing. Just every day, my goal is to make a little bit of progress. So I'm, I'm one of those long-term thinkers. So my goal is just to make a tiny bit of progress, but do it regularly. And I want to get better at serving people. I want to find ways that I can serve people better. I want to find things that I can do better. I want to keep sharpening and sharpening and sharpening. And that's, that's it. So for me, I don't really make long-term goals. And it's not because I don't believe in them. It's because I want to be able to focus more on what can I do every single day. And I feel like if I set those steps up to be more, uh, to be smaller, I can take more of them and I can get places, big places over long periods of time. So in two or three years, what would that look like? 
Um, that could look like, uh, you know, p- potentially more people on my team, more efficient process, more direct connections, more seminars, more education, more videos. Um, I think it'll be just more of what I'm already doing right now. I mean, I think I'd be doing people a disservice that are listening right now, but not asking you the question. You've been on the cutting edge of social media where you had the radio, then you went to Facebook Live. What's the next platform that you think you're going to venture into? It's a good question. Um, I still think that the best place to be for the content that I'm creating is YouTube. Um, I really think that this is the boat that everyone's missing and it's not one that you can build overnight. You know, it's really not. Um, and you do have to have the mindset of content because when people go to YouTube, they're usually looking for specific information. So you better give them that. Um, they're either looking for that or entertainment. And I'm not really an entertainer. I'm an educator who will try to throw in some entertainment here and there. But for the most part, I'm an educator. So I just have to you know, remember that, stay in my lane, do what I'm good at, put that out there for people. And it's been really cool watching it, watching it grow. But it took a long time. It was hard. But yeah, YouTube is where I could see myself being solely on YouTube um, at some point in the future because uh, that is really where I get a tremendous amount of activity. That's awesome. And, and if someone's listening right now, they're looking to – uh, purchase, refinance, anything like that. What's the best way of them reaching out to you, following you, um, and getting in contact? Sure, sure. Yeah, you can always find me on smartersandiego.com or uh, you can call me at 619-952-2046. Thank you, Derek, for being on the pod- pod- podcast. Uh, thanks. Hopefully everyone listening got some great information, got some fun facts. If you're looking to buy in San Diego, give Derek a call. Um, or at least look him up and make sure he's right for you and then give him a call. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.